Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So again, if you have that favorite white, yellow, or chocolate cake that you've learned to make in a 13 by 9 pan, you can easily adapt that to two 8-inch cake rounds. Just make sure that you do a, a round of parchment in the bottom of the cake pan and spray it heavily with nonstick spray so you don't have to worry about the cake sticking. And then you just make your same frosting recipe. Maybe do a one and a half times frosting recipe. Put frosting in between the two layers and then frost the whole thing. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Hey guys, before we get into it, don't forget to subscribe where you're listening right now. And if you have a minute, actually like not even, like 30 seconds, give us a rating and a review too. Those ratings help other busy family cooks find us. And we love that and it helps keep us going. All right. Today is a very fun episode. Very, I'm very excited for this episode. I know. I heard you. You already jumped in. You're raring to go. <laughs> raring to go. And I think you'll be doing most of the talking on this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I predict. Okay. Except for that in the past, we've thought that like when we try sort of like plot out the episodes and then like you surprisingly always have a lot to say. About <laughs> is it surprising at this point? No, no, it's not I just surprising to me to anyways. Maybe you surprise yourself in that, but it doesn't surprise me. We're going to talk about birthday cakes. This has actually been on the list of requests for a while. And Stacey and I both have January babies. Oh, oh can gosh. you call mine a baby? He would probably be so pissed if he heard me say that. But yeah, I'm going to call him your baby. He's oh. the boy who made you a mama. He is. It's crazy that he's about to turn 14. 14 in just a few days. I honestly can't. And I, we did an Instagram live recently and you let him stand up next to you and like showed us on video. I'm like shocked because the last <laughs> time I saw him in real life, he was definitely not taller than either of us. So like, what are you feeding him? Yes, yeah. dude, it's crazy. <laughs> it's actually such a gift. I've been really, really working on and probably only because now New Year with the vaccines, like it does feel like there's a like glimmer of light at the end of For all sure. this, right? Yeah. So I'm trying to reflect back on what was such a difficult, difficult time. And it's still really hard this winter, actually. Still lots of sickness and fear and staying home. But what a gift that I got to just be in quarantine with my kid during this time when he completely transformed as a person. Like I got to really, you know, we would have been living together anyway, but like every single day and spending lots of time while he literally like he was a different person when we first went in quarantine last March. Physically, yeah. his voice, his everything. Would you have noticed as much? I mean, as parents, there there's always those days where you're like, holy crap, did you grow overnight? Or like, did you grow while you were at school? But to be so close to him every single day, like, I think you had to notice a lot more about his growth, which is really special. Yeah. A small silver lining in tw from 2020, yeah? You know, I, several weeks ago, there was a snowstorm in New York City, and I took Oliver, his younger brother, sledding at a park. So we gear up, we mask up, go to the park. And I didn't end up speaking to them because like we were busy and social distancing and whatever. It's been years. But we spied someone that Isaac went to school with from like kindergarten to second grade. And I was like, oh <laughs> my God, like that cannot be that kid. That cannot be that kid. But it's because I haven't seen that kid since that kid was little. And I was like, oh, that's probably like people who haven't seen Isaac in years or even just a year and a half probably have this sensation. It was the first time that I hadn't seen a kid in years and saw him and was like, how are you 
possibly that old, that big, that tall, that human, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Such a weird feeling. So, yes. Yes. And Ella's birthday, she's also, we've got two Capricorns. Yeah. She's going to yeah. be nine. It's January 5th and January 8th, right? Yep, that's right. Yeah, she'll be nine this year, and she is already hyped for her birthday. She's also, like, a big birthday person. Emmett has very low expectations. Oh, Brian geez. has very low expectations, but both Ella and I are like, yes, can we party? So trying to figure out what to do to celebrate her turning nine when it's important to her, but it's also, like, not safe to do social things yet. It's It's super challenging. It's kind of rough, which is why I think it's fun and like an appropriate time to talk about birthday cakes because that is the one thing that we have always done together leading up to Ella's birthday. Again, Emmett, I always invite him to be part of it. He can get as specific in his birthday request as he wants to. And he might have one or two things to say, but he doesn't want to be a part of the process. Ella wants to be a part of the process from planning to execution. And so that is really fun for me. That sounds really fun. It's not something I've experienced at all with either of my children. (laughs) I I was going to say. Okay, so speaking of birthday cakes, what are the traditions around birthdays? You can include birthday meals, but specifically birthday cake in your house. Do you guys make cake, buy cake? I don't really feel like we have anything that I would refer to as a tradition. So I feel like Isaac is more steady with his requests, but he's a little bit like your boys. Like he, like his expectations aren't like he's not super intense about anything except honestly gifts. He's really (laughs) hardcore about gifts. Uh, So he's your son. So he's not, well, (laughs) except. For me, there's so much joy also in giving gifts. Yeah. I don't think he can relate. (laughs) Just saying. Um, And we've actually talked about this. I'm not being judgy. Like, he's not super into, like, giving gifts. And he's a little bit like, oh, I don't have money. And then he's always like, I'm going to make it homemade. And then, like, the minute before, he, like, is like, I love you and gives you a card. So I think he'll, I'm hoping he'll like mature into understanding the value and beauty in giving gifts. It's not something he's fully embraced yet. And he's really, really specific. I definitely like what I like and want my gifts to be what I want. I get it. I get it. But like, I also can respect that people thinking of you or figuring out what you like or see something and it reminds them of you. And then that brings them joy. And I can respect that. Isaac has no time for that. He's like, this is what I want. Like, have you gotten that? Like, because I don't want that variation. I want this one, like this specific one. Like, should I just get it myself and then you can pay me back? Because like that works too. He's not the most sentimental person. Yeah. So. It's really about gifts. He's pretty steady about flavors he likes because he has very strong opinions. But, you know, we used to, like, make a cake that matched his party theme when he was little. Like, as long as it was the flavor he liked, that was really all that mattered. Oliver, on the other hand, is much more into, like, rituals and gift giving and being a part of it. But he's also... I'm going to say that it's because he's a Libra. Like, he has a lot of whims, and he changes his mind a lot. (laughs) Every year, (laughs) it's different. We've had root beer float pie for his birthday. Wait, what? Yeah, dude, and I have a great photo of that. We'll share it. Okay. Like, he always has some different crazy wacky idea. He was really into Nerdy Nummies, that YouTube channel one year. Yes. And then he wanted something from that one year. He really loves a good theme. Recently, he's really honed in on salted caramel being his, like, favorite flavor. So we'd had a salted caramel cake this year, and he was happy about it. But I actually ordered it from Good Belly. Okay. Because there is one tradition that he really likes that I started inadvertently where we make cupcakes. His birthday's early October. And I use candy corn 
and make them look like owls. Okay. Because it's not quite Halloween, but it's kind of Halloween-ish. It's fall. It's got the right colors. Right? So we make owl cupcakes for his class and then like a completely different birthday cake situation every single year. Completely different. What about you guys? I know you guys are much more into like traditions. Right. Well, we are and we aren't. I think there are a few that stand out and it's just interesting. Like I would love for it to be like the birthday tradition for everyone in our household, parent to to youngest kid to like make a special birthday cake. But honestly, like my guys are not invested in it. So it's really just Ella's birthday tradition, which is like you get to decide. You get to decide your birthday meals like on your birthday. And then you also get to pick your cake. And I've always said we can do a store-bought cake or a homemade cake. Ella generally picks homemade cakes. Emmett doesn't really care, which that has been kind of fun for me as a baker. Like it, it's so great to do the whole process with Ella, but I've also learned a bunch of like store-bought hacks because Emmett doesn't really care. And sometimes he wants like a specific flavor or he saw something in the grocery store that he like wants to replicate at home. So I think we should talk a little bit about like styles of birthday cakes. And also this thing of like, do you do cupcakes for school and then also cake for at home? And like, is that too much? Are we doing too much around birthdays for our kids? Because there could be other treats that you could take into school that don't have to be cupcakes. I'm not saying you should change your tradition, but just to like make this episode helpful to people. Yeah. So, you know, one year for Isaac... I did sheet pan s'mores Ooh, because it's really easy. Yeah. That's so smart. Marshmallows, graham crackers. They're all classroom friendly. Yeah. And actually he was dairy free at the time. But I have to tell you that one of the things that I still stand by from our dairy free days, enjoy life chocolate chips taste just like Nestle Toll House chocolate chips to me. They're great and they're dairy free. They're so, so good. They're so good. Use those and it was great. It was like everybody could eat it in the classroom no matter what. Like no one had to have something special or different. And it's really easy. It's much easier yeah. than cupcakes if you ask me. The only other consideration is like if your family is vegan and I've recently discovered the Dandies brand marshmallows which are vegan and are really good and they toast up beautifully for totally. s'mores and things like that. So you could make a dairy-free vegan s'more to take into class and maybe use Stacy's graham cracker recipe which is the recipe that brought us together Melissa. I forgot about that. <laughs> I do have sheet pan s'mores on my site and maybe I'll try to get the graham cracker recipe up too. Oh. Okay. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> Shout out to donuts as a classroom treat option and also as a birthday cake option. When the kids were really really young, they were probably in preschool. Another parent brought in donut holes for her birthday and Ella couldn't stop talking about it. So we've actually done that a lot. And that's really nice because it's like a small bite. It's not like super messy and it still feels really celebratory. And then later when Emmett turned two, he was in this phase where he was like really into donuts. And we did a whole donut cake. Like we just ordered donuts from our favorite donut shop and then stacked them so they looked like a cake and put the candle on top. That's so cute. That's such a clever idea. You know, it just occurred to me, I didn't think about it this year because we're in quarantine, but this is the first year. So I guess next year I'll really like feel it that I don't bring any classroom treat in because I have two middle school kids. Ooh, yeah. That is over. That part of my life is over. Like I feel just really sad about that. that right is now. That, you're like, you sound excited. And I'm like, I'm oh, excited. That makes me kind of sick to my stomach sad. Like, oh, no, I I'm like so that excited. Part. I'm so excited. It's so great. Like, because I just always feel like I get excited at the thought of it, but it just feels like in recent years, to be honest, I would choose one to do homemade and the other one to not. Yeah. So right? now it can be all homemade because it's just one thing. <laughs> yes. And also, that's a really awesome tip. Like, if you're going to make a homemade treat for the classroom, why not do a store bought cake or vice versa? Like, you don't need to do everything. You, you guys. don't need to do everything. Okay. 
So let's start digging into birthday cakes. Yes. I think that there's two ways to go. There's like everyday cakes, which I think we're going to make an argument for. Everyday cakes is birthday cakes. And then there's like special celebratory cakes, which I really have very little to say about. I would say that my commitment to celebration cakes ended when Oliver turned three. I made a fire truck cake. It was peak Billis baking. It didn't even come out that well. And I was like, I'm done with projects like this. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a wrap. I can make a celebratory cake in terms of a more complicated recipe, like flavor profile wise, like adding fruit and coconut, but like some kind of sculpted cake or pulling out fondant or anything like that. No. It's not, it's just not my thing. Okay, wait, let's take a step back for a second and say, what do you feel like is the difference between an everyday cake and a celebratory cake? Because I honestly feel like cake is cake is cake, but I'm coming from a bake, like pastry person's background. So what is is the difference? (laughs) It is not. I know, I know, I know, I know it's not. Listen, but I just want to I want to open up the discussion of like what is an everyday cake and what that. is I a celebration cake. I just want my moment. I just want okay. my moment because I am often the one where you're like Billis, give me a break. Refer to chicken nugget episode. <laughs> That's all yes, I'll say for yes, the people. Yes. So right now I get to say that to you. A cake is not cake. It's not cake. <laughs> Okay, let me be extra on this one thing. You got it. I'm here for it. I'm on the extra on nearly all the things, but I just need to react. Okay. Okay. It's mostly about the decor for me. Okay. If I have to pull out a serrated knife and do any kind of shaping, it's already too hard. If I need fondant, it's already too hard. Even a piping bag, I'm like, "Mm, this is really like pushing it. (laughs) If it's just layers of a cake of a recipe I follow and icing where I take one offset spatula and I can do sprinkles till the cows come home, like that's the extent of a quote unquote regular cake. Like that takes me to the outer edges of what I consider (laughs) just a regular good cake. It can take a little more effort, but it's a birthday. I'm there for it. Yeah. But I can't get into shaping, complicated layers, layering at different sizes. Any kind of artistic expression done with icing is a no-no for me. Um, I don't know. Like, how else can I describe this? No, that's great. I would say, like, very, very, like, textbook categorically. Everyday cakes for me are cakes that require one bowl to mix them up or maybe, like, one bowl and one larger measuring cup. And they can be baked and frosted and served in their baking pan. That's an everyday cake to me. I love that. Is that fair? I think that's fair. I would use two bowls for an everyday cake. Okay, yeah, right? Like dry and wet. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I could go to two bowls. That's kind of what I'm saying with the extra measuring cup. But I definitely am not like getting out my stand mixer. Nope. Or and I would prefer only to get my hand mixer out yep. for frost for frosting. Yeah. Frosting only. But I do want to make the argument that I feel like one, we should all be baking and eating way more everyday cakes than we than we are, right? Okay, like, I'm here for that. There's a whole book that just came out in 2020 about snacking cakes, which is beautiful. I'm going to forget the author right now, so we'll pl- include a link in the show notes. But this idea that, like, there are cakes like that that, like, you could bake on a Sunday as part of your meal prep. Hello, we should all be meal prepping cakes and cookies, you guys. You're really asking for a lot, even though I know you're right. <laughs> I know you're right, though. But, like, if you already have the oven warmed up because you were, like, roasting ovens or baking egg bites, like, why not also throw an eight-by-eight pan of cake in there and then you get to have, like, why dessert not? one night? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm or, here for it. I would okay. like to. And I actually really do believe, okay, all my joking aside, I really do believe if I could just figure out how to integrate it into my workflow, like my kitchen right? workflow, that you're right. Like I would find like, oh my gosh, that actually only added an extra like 10 to 15 minutes max. But and it, it brings so much joy. joy. Yes. Totally. Yes. Totally. So totally. much food joy. Okay. So 
one, we should all be making more everyday cakes in general. But two, I think that like Pinterest, Instagram, this like social sharing of celebrations has really pushed us to feel like we have to have elaborate cakes for our kids for our for their birthdays when really like those everyday cakes would be just as satisfying and this is gets to like a really fun idea we're bringing to this episode which is we are going to make predictions about our kids favorite cakes and then have them answer it as like post roll so you guys will get to hear if we were right or wrong <laughs> but one year i asked Ella, like, what do you really need for your birthday? And she said, cake, balloons, and my people. And so it was like, she really didn't actually need the experience of like building a triple layer cake and rolling out fondant. She just wanted to have any kind of cake would satisfy her. So I think we could all be baking a lot more everyday cakes and then doing like one thing like buying a special sprinkle for them or buying like the fancy birthday candle or melting some chocolate to like drizzle on top of the frosting so just like one or two things that make it like a little bit more special for birthdays but doesn't involve us getting out a serrated knife and a cake stand and piping bags and 27 piping tips right I agree, although I do have a question. Okay. If we start baking more everyday cakes, does the everyday cake not seem as special when you pull it out for a celebration? I see I'm already trying to get out of it. You just just said cake is not cake is not cake, which I guess that answers that question. Well, does it? Wait, because if I'm making an everyday cake, then I have to make it more... If I'm making more everyday cakes, then on their birthdays, I have to make it a little more special. Right. And I'm saying it doesn't have to be that much more special. Like, I guess you're right. I'm, just like sprinkles. Yeah. If on a and... Sunday you're making like yellow cake with chocolate frosting just to snack on. And then on a birthday day, you're making like a yellow cake with extra chocolate frosting or malted chocolate frosting. And then you're like putting sprinkles on it and a drizzle of chocolate and it has birthday candles. Like I think that counts still as a celebration cake. I agree. And you know what else it's making me think of? That if you start baking more frequently and you make these simple everyday cakes, A, you master a recipe because I don't know about you. You're a baker. I'm curious to hear from our listeners. But I try to bake these celebration cakes, which I've already been clear are not like crazy elaborate in terms of Except shape for the one or time decor. You carved out a fire truck. Ugh, it was the worst. <laughs> it honestly took like I feel like it took five hundred hours just to get the icing red enough, and like eight hundred bottles of like toxic dye. But anyway, that's a different story. <laughs> red, red and yeah. black are notoriously hard for oh. professional bakers, too. It's totally not you. It's, it's those colors. It was so hard. I did achieve it. Thank you very much in the end. But anyway, I end up trying to make cake I've never made before. Or like I remember making one year, and this one actually came out well, but then there are so many that didn't come out well. I made banana fluffernutter cake one year for Oliver. I made homemade maraschino cherries and some other like crazy situation another year. But like some come out like a flop and then that's disappointing. So making everyday snack cakes and then making a slightly more elaborate version for the celebration means that you've mastered it. And also we say this all the time about kids that at the end of the day, Kids love something they can count on. You know, they have favorite things, and those favorite things bring them joy. So if you land on a snack and cake recipe that your kids love and they get so excited that they're like, oh, yeah, you made that again this week. Awesome. And then you give that to them for their birthday, maybe with a little bit of embellishment. Like, that's such a comfort. That's going to be leave an indelible mark on their food memories. And I think that's way more special Then that one year that you made that crazy flavor, I'm already case in point. I can't even remember half of the ones that I've made. You know what I mean? (laughs) Seriously, like there's something nice about like returning to these things that we master and become favorites in our families. Stacy, I don't know about you, but I've been in a major spring cleaning mode, including purging and organizing my closet. I'm putting away winter sweaters and donating things that don't work for me anymore, but I'm so excited to be pulling out some of my favorite items from Quince to put back into rotation. 
Totally. I love the pieces that I bought from Quince last year, too. And neither of us should really be surprised. We love Quince for their quality. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Which means I can actually add some pieces back to my closet after my spring clear out. I love the linen pants and top I got last season so much, but my next purchase is one of Quince's gorgeous 100% washable silk skirts. Oh, that's so pretty. And the best part, all Quince items from silk to 14 karat gold are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. That's why I snagged my favorite oversized cashmere boyfriend cardigan from Quince instead of any other brand. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash D-I-J-F-Y for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Didn't I Just Feed You, to get free shipping and 365-day returns. This episode of Didn't I Just Feed You is sponsored by By Heart. Longtime listeners know that Stacy and I both struggled with infant feeding stages with all our kids. Breastfeeding was hard, and choosing a formula was, well, also hard. We're thrilled to be working with Byheart, an infant nutrition company on a mission to make the best formula in the world. Not only is Byheart an easy-to-digest formula, their formula is also clinically proven for easier digestion, less spit-up, and softer poops versus leading infant formula. By Heart has their own patented protein blend that includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio, just like an early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. Curious about By Heart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with code D-I-J-F-Y for a limited time. That's byheart.com slash podcast and code D-I-J-F-Y, short for Didn't I Just Feed You. Additional terms and conditions apply. We know you're seeing all the Mother's Day gift guides everywhere. And while we usually do some Didn't I Just Feed You version, this year we have the one perfect Mother's Day gift that works for everyone, even our last minute shoppers, mylifeinabook.com. Mylifeinabook.com is a unique service that turns the life stories of people you love into a beautiful book. Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send your gift recipient a question via email. These can be pre-written questions that they provide, or you can customize the questions the way that I did for my mom. Your recipient can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature. Mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. I'm really excited to be creating a book with my own mom this year, and I can't wait to hear some of her childhood memories, what it was really like raising three kids as a single mother, and how she's enjoyed becoming a grandmother, too. And when the book is done, you'll have a beautiful keepsake for her and for you, too. You can even choose to have an audiobook created from the recordings. It's easy to sign up, and the process is automated, so you don't have to worry about missing a week. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code D-I-J-F-Y at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code D-I-J-F-Y for 10% off today. I love advocating for um, making baking more muscle memory. Like so many of us and so many of our listeners are great. They've mastered the like cooking from their hip, cooking what from what's left in the fridge and, and just making it happen. But like, we don't do that with baking. We think we have to carve out these like hours and hours of time. And I think if more people baked those kind of like air quotes, ugly cakes, those like very homey, just it served in the 13 by 9 pan cakes that we would have more confidence when it comes to baking those special things. Okay. So what are some of your favorite everyday cakes? Like let's talk okay. flavors. Cause that yeah. you can make it every day by just saying like, I'm going to make it in one bowl, even though that's not how the recipe's written. It may not come out exactly as like tender and perfect, but it works. Yes. And also just do it in a sheet pan versus a layer. Yes. Okay. So I honestly think that if you can find a white cake, a yellow cake and a chocolate cake 
recipe that you love that you can do anything with those three recipes. And maybe we should link to some because like I think the Hershey's chocolate, like on the back of the box of Hershey's cocoa, I think that chocolate cake is really good. And they're, <laughs> this is like so funny because they're like back of the box cakes. I was going to say it's Angel Soft, but that is a totally a toilet paper brand, <laughs> not a cake flower <laughs> brand. <laughs> Swans down, <laughs> swans down, cake flower. They have a three, two, one cake on the back of their box that has a really reliable white cake. I haven't actually found like the perfect yellow cake for me, which is the is funny that you mentioned like you can't remember a flavor because I've definitely done that. Brian and I both love yellow cake with chocolate frosting, which is kind of like the very nostalgic Duncan Hines flavor that both of us grew up with. Like our parents would buy the box mix and the the canned frosting and make that cake for us. And one year I found the best recipe and we, we had it for both of our birthdays and we both loved it. And we were like, this is the recipe. And I have no, still (gasps) no clue. I did not like screenshot it from my phone or write it down. Oh. With someone else's recipe. Oh my gosh. It's gone. It's gone. And so now that, we're back into you like. You just disappointed the... literally <laughs> thousands of people. I know. How many know. people listen to this? You probably are going to disappoint like 40,000 people this month. <laughs> I know. And let me we tell want you that recipe. Let me tell you the things that make it worse because I actually have like a yellow cake with chocolate frosting on the kitchen.com which I want I is actually on a short list of cake recipes that I want to go back and retest because I made it again for us this fall like it fall in fall of 2020 and I was really disappointed with it like it's my own recipe and I didn't like how it turned out and the same with I have a one bowl vanilla cake on kitchen that like sometimes I think turns out really well and sometimes I think doesn't and I I think it's like an ingredient thing that I haven't figured out, but both of those, I can't recommend to you. I want to go back and tweak them. So maybe I can carve out some time to like make us. That would be awesome because we need those from you. So I know. Okay. I have something to say. I said this on our Thanksgiving. Oh no. On our pie episode Mm -hmm. that I was really, really proud of my sweet potato pie. I made it this past Thanksgiving and I was like, yep, it's delicious. Another thing that I love from Make It Easy, my first cookbook, is my chocolate cake. Okay. I love that chocolate cake, and I stand behind it. I worked really hard on it. I'm going to not say which recipes from that baking. There's really just one from that chapter that I... I'm so sad about and I cannot recommend. <laughs> but I think it's okay to have that candor as recipe Fine. developers. We need don't to talk make the about brownies. That, that. Don't make the brownies. Don't make the brownies. <laughs> and what kills me is that I believe that there was a mix up and I don't don't even ask. It's such a long story because I had made delicious brownies. I worked so hard on the brownies and the cake. You know how sometimes when you think you're not as good at something, you work harder? Yes. Right? So I worked really hard on a lot of those baking recipes because I was like, it's not going to be a huge chapter. This is not my thing, but it's really important to to have. Right. Yeah. Anyway, don't make the brownies. I believe there was a mix-up. That chocolate cake is a banging chocolate cake, but I'm going to tell you something. My recipe is really good, but there are a lot of chocolate cake recipes out there. I think that the key is the cocoa I use. So let's talk. I want to go back to yellow cake too. But for an everyday chocolate cake, you know, I want you to tell me what your favorite cocoa is. And then I'm going to say preemptively (laughs) that (laughs) even for your everyday cakes, although it can be a little expensive, but when you want to kick your chocolate cake up a notch, I really think that using black cocoa or King Arthur has a blend that's half black cocoa and half regular cocoa that's so good. Yeah. Wait, can I tell you something funny, not funny? It relates to my toilet paper snafu earlier. Black cocoa can have a slightly laxative effect if you include large quantities of it in a recipe. The reason I know this is because several years ago, when we first moved to Boise, I had to test like a cutout gingerbread, not gingerbread, but like a skeleton and we, a skeleton cookie and we used black cocoa to make it. And then we turned that cookie recipe into a haunted 
Halloween house. So sort of like a gingerbread house, but again, like this cocoa, sort of like Oreo flavored cookie house. And (laughs) there were a lot of poops in the house. And Brian was like, what is going on? And that's that's when I learned later. Hilarious. I had no idea about that. Yes. But I'm just going to skip right over that and talk about the fact (laughs) that you brought up Oreo because I, not being a baker and having only been trained with savory cooking, I was like, how do be like Oreo is my favorite type of chocolate. (laughs) Oreo chocolate. It's that flavor, that really deep, rich flavor is how I want all my chocolate things to be. And it took me a while to discover that black cocoa is the key. Yes. But if that's too intense for you and you want something in between, but you like a a hint of that, it's the double Dutch dark cocoa from King Arthur Flower is a combination of black cocoa and Dutch cocoa, Dutch processed cocoa. And it's so good. And I would just add that Hershey's Dark is similar in that it's a it's a combination of their regular cocoa and dark cocoa. So and it's like a nice middle of the road. I agree with you that I think if you can afford to buying a little bit higher quality cocoa does make a big difference when you're trying to flavor chocolate cakes. But there's also a couple little like tips that you can use to make your cocoa powder, even if it's just like Hershey's or store brand, taste a little bit better. The first one, actually, a lot of recipes call for yeah. If you've ever added hot water or hot coffee to your cocoa mm-hmm. and let it sit, that is blooming your cocoa. And what it does is it sort of cooks the raw processing flavors. Like cocoa is highly processed like flour is, and it loses a little bit of chocolate flavoring when you take all the fat and all of the liquid out of it. So blooming it helps revive that flavor. And then doing things like adding coffee or adding espresso powder to your cake can actually make it not taste mocha-y, but it makes it taste more chocolatey to add those, those like sort of coffee notes to your cake. So those are two things that you can do to make even cheap cocoa powder taste awesome. Okay. So these are great because also, you know, that costs a little extra money, a little extra effort. Again, great way to take your everyday chocolate cake recipe, your favorite one, and turn it into something for special occasions. Let's go back to yellow cake for a second, because I agree that it is crazy difficult. Why is it so hard? So this is what I've heard, but I want you to speak on it because you're the expert here. I've heard that even at bakeries, like even if they're not big commercial ones, like independent bakeries, but a pro bakeries, there's imitation butter. Yes. Being used, flavoring being used. And like, I don't know, that's where I stopped. That's the rumor on the street that I heard. And I was like, oh, well, if they're using that, then there's like a million other things (laughs) that I'm not using and that's why. But seriously, like, is that a huge piece of it? I think that and also I've had a really good yellow cake recipe. Like the texture of it was just divine. It was like basically exactly like Duncan Himes, but it was white. It was not that yellow because those box mixes have that artificial butter flavor added to them, but then they also have coloring added to them. So it's like a, a hard line to like get the right texture and the right color from a homemade recipe. And a lot of the homemade recipes go really hard on the egg yolk, which adds a ton of fat. But that fat is not the same as butter fat and can actually mask the butter flavor. So two things that you could do right off the bat if you're using a yellow cake recipe that calls for a lot of eggs is one, choose higher quality eggs. I don't always advocate for that in baking, but I think if you're going for something where you want that like super rich, yolky color, you're going to get it in like or an organic or a local egg. I don't know if you've ever seen those like pictures online, but you can see like a visual difference between really well-fed chicken eggs and like sort of mass produced. So buying higher quality eggs and then go for a European style butter, which has a, like a higher percentage of butter fat. So less milk solids, less water, and you get a lot more butter flavor out of it. Again, it's going to make your cake a little bit more expensive, but you don't have to use it in both the cake and in the, and the frosting. Like you can buy your regular butter for frosting and let the butter shine in the cake itself. Can I 
take a pause here since you just mentioned icing and make an argument that you probably don't need personally, but for making a homemade cake and store-bought icing <laughs> or frosting. Yeah, hey, no, what's I the love difference that. between icing and frosting? Really quick. Okay. We just had this big debate about this um, on Kitchen, actually, because I wrote about icing cookies. So an icing is usually something like a royal icing or there's also like cookie icing. So it's usually just like powdered sugar and a liquid, whether it's egg whites and royal icing or in a cookie frosting, it's usually a little bit of milk and corn syrup. So it's meant to sort of like try not to use the word ice it's it's meant for like making a thin layer over yeah. things and won't it harden in most instances it'll harden but then you in icing you also get into the category of glazes and ganache can be a glaze and like ganache is chocolate and heavy cream and a lot of times it has like a fudgy texture even if it looks set it's not like hard the way we think of royal totally. icing and then frosting is you typically butter mixed with sugar in some way and oftentimes eggs or egg whites depending on if you're getting into like buttercreams or you're sticking with an american style buttercream which is that sort of ubiquitous just butter and powdered sugar that you see a lot i also want to say you can use frostings and icings together so sometimes you get like a really beautiful effect on a cake by frosting it and then like doing an ice like a royal icing as like a glaze on top or a drizzle on the side that remember like two or three years ago when those drip cakes were really popular that's just basically royal icing dripped down the side okay see now you're getting into fancy territory i know i'm sorry is this the way is this where we transition we talked about we made an argument for everyday cakes. We tell you how to make them special. But now, like for the people who want to go all out. Okay. The people who want to go all out. I don't know how to help you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yes, you do. Because yes. I've seen the birthday cakes you make for Ella. Okay. I know. It's hard to be like, here's a very directive. Because there's lots of recipes. There's lots of ways that you can make special cakes. I often feel like layer cakes are really air quotes, easy, or an easier way to make a celebration cake. You don't have to do a carved cake like Stacey mentioned, but even (laughs) just doing (laughs) two or three layers. So again, if you have that favorite white, yellow, or chocolate cake that you've learned to make in a 13 by 9 pan, you can easily adapt that to two 8-inch cake rounds. Just make sure that you do a a round of parchment in the bottom of the cake pan and spray it heavily with nonstick spray so you don't have to worry about the cake sticking. And then you just make your same frosting recipe. Maybe do a one and a half times frosting recipe. Put frosting in between the two layers and then frost the whole thing. There are a couple tricks, bakery tricks, that I feel like people don't talk about enough for getting that sort of like perfect cake that you get at the grocery store or from the bakery where it's like very level and also like there's, it doesn't look like it was baked in a pan. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yes. Okay. So a couple of things. When a lot of, a lot of bakeries actually wrap their cakes when they're not completely cooled and that and wrap and stack them and what that does is it sort of like steams that if we're talking about a white cake that sort of like golden brown edge around it and top and bottom and stacking the cakes while they're still a little bit warm actually helps remove that sort of dome that happens very often very regularly in cake baking so those two things help flatten the cake and make even stacks to begin with oh cuz i feel like that would make you know how sometimes that like very top layer of golden brown will just start to peel off yeah i would think that that would happen that's exactly what happens oh so when so they go good. okay yeah so when they go to frost the cake you can actually kind of like take your finger and roll up the top of the cake and Dude, then pre- so you don't need like that crumb coat part You still need a crumb coat, maybe, depending on the cake, right? Like, if you're doing a chocolate cake with white frosting, you should just crumb coat. But it's not as intense, right? Because my crumb layer is always, like, such a disaster. I'm like, this is, like, there's no way a second layer is going to cover this mess. (laughs) But it does, right? Right? Sort of. Sort of. Yeah, that's fair. So most bakeries, they peel that top, that sort of 
gets kind of like sticky, squishy, like you yes. were describing it. The very totally. top, you can kind of like roll it off. But then all bakeries also trim with a serrated knife. I know, Stacey, it's like your nemesis. <laughs> trim off the bottom that's golden brown and the edges. The way, the order in which I, I would suggest doing it is do the tops first, roll off the squishy part. Do the bottoms of each of your cakes separately and then stack your two cake layers together to trim off the edges before you fill it. So that way your cakes are essentially the same shape. So those are a couple of tips for making your cakes look better in a layered cake. I have a question about this. Okay. I have always wondered if I should buy a turntable. Mm, eh, I don't know. I don't know if you should or not. That's a really hard question. Wilton makes like a really nice plastic one these days that I think is like maybe 20 bucks. And if you're really into cakes, it's worth the investment. But otherwise, I think that a regular cake plate is fine because you can kind of manually turn it and spread your frosting on. But like the really the ones that are really good are also really expensive and really heavy and hard to store. So it's hard to be like, yes, everyone needs needs ones. I would buy the like inexpensive plastic one from Wilton any day and we'll link to it in the show notes. Okay. I want to do something. Okay. But tell me if you're not quite ready. Okay. Maybe you have more to say about fancy cakes. I kind of want to go through a couple of trends or things that look like they might be easy to do and have you just be like, you know, no, not unless you're like super great at baking or decorating. Like, yes, that's actually easier than it looks, seems. Does one of the trends include cupcake cakes? Because that's the last thing I want to talk about before you move on. Yes, let's end with that. I think that's great. Okay, because I want to think about things that, seem simple-ish on social media (laughs) that I'm like, oh, I wonder if I could do that. And then like, you tell me if I really can or not, because I think they seem, okay. So working with fondant in general, what do you think for like the average home baker? No, I think it's a no. (laughs) Okay. But as a follow-up, you can make marshmallow fondant which is which I've also like talked about on my Instagram as edible play-doh and it's like you take big marshmallows and you melt them in the microwave and you add a little bit of um, shortening or coconut oil and then some cornstarch and that's really lovely I think traditional fondant is gross like I think it tastes gross and it's hard to work with whereas like marshmallow the marshmallow version is actually really fun and easy to work with and tastes really good. I would suggest only using it for like making characters or shapes on top of your cake. You cut out numbers and letters with like roll it thin and cut out letters and numbers with it. I don't ever think you need at home like the whole perfectly smooth fondant covered cake. Okay. What about, and I actually know that there's a term for this and I can't recall it right now, that kind of naked frosting you know it became a really big trend where at least on the sides of the cake yeah it's honestly called a naked cake okay there you go where it's like it looks like it's only been half done but it's very stylish is that as easy as it seems like it might be yeah or is it kind of hard easy and then you don't have to do as much like cake trimming because you want to show the like golden brown or chocolate layers through I feel kind of meh on it because I like frosting and I think frosting adds a lot of moisture to cakes, even if it's just on the side, like those cakes have it in between, but I think you need it on the sides too. So I'm, I'm not into it, but certainly is a way, like if you run into (laughs) not having enough frosting, just call it a naked cake. (laughs) Pretend like you did it on purpose. Yeah. Okay. Surprise inside cakes. Like, you know, you cut it and then like all the candy M&Ms come out. exactly what you're talking about. And Ella is probably going to say her favorite cake is the surprise inside cake that we did when she turned six because it was covered in candy and it had candy inside of it. I think that they're very labor intensive. They're very easy to make because essentially you just like pick a couple of layers to cut a hole in the middle of and then fill it before you frost it. So it's like easy enough to build it. I don't think you have to do the right, ra- like, you know, a lot of times you see them and they're like rainbow layered, but like, you don't have to do that. 
I think it's like really hard to get that sort of like explosion of candy effect that everyone wants. You have to put a lot more candy in it that you think that you can. But yes, a a home baker could totally pull off a surprise inside cake. Whether it's worth it or not, I don't know. Okay. It's up to you. You brought it up and it was actually on my list. A rainbow layer cake. And I bring it up for two reasons because it seems simple, but also I feel like to look beautiful, it requires very, very even in between layers of frosting that are kind of thick and are sturdy, which I have traditionally failed at doing well. And also (laughs) you need really beautiful, vibrant color for it to be nice, unless you go for like a pastel version. I think they're fun and I think they're worth it. And the trick to getting even layers is to use a piping bag and a piping tip, like a large round piping tip to make the border of your in-between layers of your frosting layers. That'll make it even for you if you use a piping tip to pipe it on. Genius. Drip cakes. Mm. (laughs) Yes. Anyone can do it Is that your opinion of drip cakes or your opinion of us trying to make one at home? (laughs) Or both? Yes, both. Both. I think, I think skip it. It's not, it doesn't add a lot of flavor. I don't think it looks very nice. I think it generally looks sloppy. And yeah, I don't know. Let, like, What is a reason why you would want a gyp cake? I mean, listen, I don't know because it looks fun. <laughs> You're right, though, that like a beautiful one where the drips are thin and like they hang at all different, like they hit at all different yes. places. But a lot of times the drip ends up being kind of thicker. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like a big blobby rolling like down gloppy. the side. It's yeah. Glop City. No, yeah. you guys don't want that. I do think, though, which I think is like in the same category, if you were going to put effort into a glazed cake, which is what a drip cake is where so it's like has frosting and then you put something like a drip on top of it to create a different look. I think those galaxy cakes are really fun. And that is like just icing that you add like prism powder to and make different like you make like one or two colors and just add it really quickly and it's so abstract that it doesn't have to be perfect i would say if you're gonna do if you're like thinking drip cake go galaxy cake but here's my question about both of those types of cakes i feel like you need your top layer of icing to be so pristine and I've yeah, never once in my life be. frosted a cake <laughs> like that. I've, I mean, what is that? How do I get that? Oh, my gosh. Okay, wait. I could go off on a tangent about this. So I have to be careful here. One, bakery cakes are never as level as you think that they are. Cake decorators use a ton of tricks to hide in perfections in cakes. So just know that they just know how to hide things being uneven. It does help if your cake is flat. For a galaxy cake, but it doesn't have to be smooth. And in fact, it not being perfectly smooth can add like really cool effects as the glaze sort of drips in different directions. So I don't think it has to be perfectly smooth. Okay. I have one more that I think you might not expect to be on this list, but Funfetti cake. And the reason why I bring it up is because you can end up getting the Funfetti all kind of glopped up (laughs) sink down to the bottom. It isn't always as easy as you might think to get that beautiful, well-distributed effect. Yeah, I think following a funfetti recipe is helpful because I think you need a certain type of white cake that's like strong and sturdy, but also has a fine crumb. And the type of sprinkle that you use is paramount to actually having a successful funfetti cake. Like you can't use... Those you can't use non perils, those like little tiny beads. You need the sort of like classic Jimmy shape or right, the one right. that's sort of shaped like confetti, looks like a punch, a punch out almost. Yes, Either of those totally. Two are- yes. Okay. That's my list. So I want you to talk about cupcakes, cupcake cakes. Yeah. And also, like, let's do like a very quick lightning round on really simple, easy ways to decorate a cake so that it feels celebratory. Okay, I love this. I just want to mention cupcake cakes because I feel like they're a trend that never really got their due. What you do is you bake your like favorite recipe, or what's cool about a cupcake cake is you could use more than one flavor. And you bake it in cupcake shapes and then you buy, you can use like a large cutting board or buy a large cake board and you set them out in sort of a design. For Ella's 
seventh birthday, I think it was, we did actually just the shape of a seven. So we drew a giant seven on our board and laid the cupcakes out in it. And then instead of frosting the cupcakes individually, you frost them all like they're one cake and it becomes like a pull apart cake, which actually might be really smart for like these times where we don't want to be like cutting everyone's cake yes, and cake that way. That is so smart. So shout out to cupcake cakes, I say, because it feels fancy. It feels celebratory, but it's super easy. Let's talk about really easy ways to decorate a cake. It could be one that you made homemade. It could be one that you bought plain white icing at the store and you want to dress it up yourself. How do we make it feel really fun for a birthday? Okay. I love this question also because I have gone to the grocery store and bought, you can buy a cake like from the case and then decorate it and make it feel really fun and festive. So one year for Emmett's birthday, he wanted like a rocket ship cake and we just bought like actually an under the sea cake from the grocery store and pulled off the under the sea stuff. And we made a batch of that marshmallow fondant and we dyed little rounds of it, different colors. And then we literally just cut out shapes that looked like the moon and the stars and I made a little rocket ship. So that marshmallow fondant is great for me. I fondant fondant. I can never decide. It is so great for making shapes to top any cake and then you can do almost anything. And again, you can cut out letters or shapes. Candy is a really fun and easy way to That's dress That's what I was going to say. Yes, we did that. I, I mentioned Ella's sixth birthday cake. And I'll share, it all, I'll share a bunch of photos in the show notes for this one of what we did. But basically, we went hog wild at the candy store, like giant rainbow swirly lollipops and then smaller lollipops and those sour rope candies. Because you can make like, you can take the sour rope candies and... Um, do them like all the way up the side as sort of like a rainbow effect. Yeah. Also Skittles you can do that with. Skittles and Sixlets. Like if you wanted to make a beaded effect, those candy co- like those candy yeah, covered yeah, chocolates yeah. are awesome for that. One year for something else entirely, we did a cake with Pocky sticks. Am I saying that correctly, Stacey? Yeah, you know totally. those Jap- the Japanese cookies and they're dipped in chocolate and they come in tons of colors. You can use those to decorate the outside of a cake or the top of a cake. And speaking of those type of cookies, you can use any kind of cookie to decorate the outside of a That's cake. That's what I, I was going to say too. Like doing a chocolate cake where you don't even frost the sides, but then you break up like Oreos and Snicker, like break Snicker bars into like three or four pieces and just pile these big chunks of yumminess all on top. Yes. That could be delicious and look beautiful. I think it was Kelsey Nixon who we've had on the show before for her oldest son's first birthday. She did a really cool like cookie monster theme and they made um, just a really simple cake, but baked mini chocolate chip cookies to decorate the outside of it. And it was so stinging cute. You don't even have to bake cookies from scratch to do that. What else? I mean, sprinkles forever and always. Sprinkles. Yes. Also cereal. Yeah, I bet you have some ideas. Cereal. Oh, that's such a good one. Cereal. Like my kids love Cinnamon Toast Crunch. So like putting, crunching that up all on the side, I have to tell you that I actually love, I haven't had them in years, but I have a weakness for Fruity Pebbles, but it's kind of fun because they've got a fun color and they've got that like irregular, like thin wispy shape. They're almost like big, like confetti or sprinkles. You could just cover the whole like around the side. Yeah. You know, I think that sometimes just making a pattern, like going back to the idea of candy, like Skittles or hard candies. Or even just using icing, like a beautiful pink cake where you do like dots all around and then put little like, or you know, mini Oreos, just like dot them in a pattern on the sides. Like that could just be really pretty and like simple. Yeah. In that same vein, you can take regular kitchen tools like a fork and make patterns. You know, you can kind of like gently drag it around around the cake to make sort of like a texture on the outside of it. And a lot of people honestly like spread on their 
frosting really loosely. And then you take the back of a spoon and you can make those sort of like swirls and wells and drags, which looks really pretty and very like organic in its shape and um, feels special if you add a couple sprinkles with it. I love it. I could never have imagined we were going to talk for almost an hour about cake, and yet I feel like we we say that all the time. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) So I think we should bring this discussion to our listeners group. I want to know how everyone else celebrates um, birthdays with cakes, and whether people are into baking everyday cakes, or I just threw that idea and no one's out there, and actually no one's going to do it. I want them to do it. I believe in them. Okay, Megan. Yes. So many ideas. We talk forever. We're going to throw it to our listeners group as we always do. But before we do, very quick predictions. Okay. Ella, like, what does she want for her birthday cake this year? And if you ask Emmett, like, what's your favorite birthday cake? What are their answers? Ella will say her favorite birthday cake is the rainbow layered. We did six layers of cake, different colors for her sixth birthday. We filled it with candy and it was topped with candy and fondant shapes. So like we went all out for her sixth birthday. She'll say that's her favorite cake. This year for her birthday, what will she pick? I don't know. Maybe 2020 was such a bummer that she'll pick to do candy cake all over again since we can't really do anything to celebrate. Let's see if you're right. You have to listen to the end, people. Okay. And Emmett, he will say his favorite cake is an Oreo cake, which I've actually never made for him. (laughs) (laughs) But he's just really into cookies and cream flavor right now and Oreos. So I think that's what he'll say. And I think he'll say the Pokemon cake that I made for him when he turned six this year was his favorite cake I've ever made. It was so cute. It was so, okay. It wasn't I, my best work. I what about Isaac really and cute. Oliver? Okay, so Isaac's, I don't know. It's really interesting. So Isaac is really anti-vanilla in general. So, and he's a pretty, like, straightforward kind of guy. So, I don't know, like, chocolate? Um, But he's a cookies and cream is also, like, his absolute favorite flavor. But I have to be honest that I feel like I'm missing something. And it might just be because I'm brain dead. So, we'll just see. He'll certainly set us straight at the end of the episode. Oliver is much more easy. Like, he salted caramel. Like, he loves salted caramel. He likes any kind of salted caramel-flavored thing. Um. I don't know if he'll remember and come up with this on his own, but I might prompt him if he doesn't. The root beer float pie I made one year for him, he really loved, and it was really fun and different, and uh, that brought a lot of joy. So you guys have to listen until the end. But before that, make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter. Every single week, you get an exclusive recipe and our pick of the week. You can subscribe at didn'tijustfeedyou.com or follow the link in our Instagram bio. Ooh, speaking of Instagram, you can find us there and on Facebook as at Didn't I Just Feed You. Keep in mind that the real Facebook fun is always happening in our private listeners community. The answer to be let in is whiskey. Let's be honest, the answer to everything is whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, don't forget to subscribe right where you're listening, wherever you get your podcast, so you don't miss an episode. Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jim Mando. A huge thank you to our editor, Samantha Gatsik. I'm Stacy. And I'm Megan. Stay sane and well-fed, and I hope there's cake until next week. Emmett, what is your favorite flavor of cake? Chocolate. Okay. With what kind of frosting? Blueberry frosting. Blueberry frosting. Oh, yum. Okay, what is your favorite birthday cake that you ever remember mom making for you? Race car cake. The race car cake? I thought you would say Pokemon. Pokemon cake, actually. You don't have to change your answer. You loved the race car cake. Yeah. All right, Ella? Yes? What is your favorite cake that I've ever made for you? The one with all the candy in it. Why was it your favorite? Because it had candy in it. Okay, okay. And when you cut it open, it poured out. Yes. All right, how about this year for your birthday, when you turn nine, what kind of cake are you going to ask for? Maybe I kind of want, I want a Minecraft cake. This is square and it has Minecraft toys. 
and then inside there's also candy. It's a mix of the old cake and a mix of a new Minecraft cake. Okay, wow, that's really specific. I'm into it. Awesome. Thanks, kids. Okay, Isaac, Megan and I made birthday predictions. Your birthday's coming up. I really couldn't think about what cakes I've made for you in the past. I know you don't like vanilla, right? Yep. <laughs> I got that part right. Okay, so I predicted that you'd want a chocolate cake, which I have a question about that, actually. Mm-hmm. And then I know you love cookies and cream. So I was thinking about a cookies and cream cake. Wait, wait, those exist? <laughs> yes! You didn't know that? I did not know that, I swear to God. No, I kind of want that. I can do that. I can. It can't be like fancy and decorated, but like cookies and cream cake, I can do that. I mean, that's that, what you want. That makes it harder. Okay. Well, what was the other thing? What were you gonna say? I wanted a red velvet cake with like cream cheese frosting. I could also do that. I kind of forgot that you like red velvet. I can't believe I forgot. I'm a bad mom. Hmm. If you. <laughs> Convincing response. Okay, one last question. If you, if I made you a chocolate cake, what kind of frosting? Chocolate frosting. Chocolate definitely. cake, chocolate frosting. That's what I was going to say. Double chocolate. All right, but we're going to go for cookies and cream this year. Okay, Oliver, I want to talk to you very quickly about birthday cake. I guess I have a two-parter question for you. One is, what's your favorite birthday cake or treat I've ever made for you. And this coming year, I know your birthday is really far away from now. What do you think you'll want? Like, what would be your prediction about what kind of birthday cake you want? I have no idea what I'm going to want. Okay. (laughs) Well, my favorite cake is probably the caramel cake we had this year. Yes, that was a good one. I mentioned that. pie is my root beer pie. Yes, I forgot. I wasn't sure. I mean, I remembered. I wasn't sure that you had remembered. They're both good. Those are the two that you remember liking in the past. Nothing like if your birthday was this week instead of Isaac's, what would you want? Partying. You would be partying. What would you want as your cake? The root beer pie. Yeah, root beer pie. I told you guys it was a winner. Remember your owl cupcakes too? Every year I was making those for the classroom. Uh-huh. Those are good. Yeah. Those are not cake, well, birthday cakes. Those are cupcakes. They are cupcakes. It's true. I but like your I, technical I still, precision. I still like those two the most. All right. Thanks. Thanks.